Welcome back, everyone, to the Chaos Ball Podcast, the best podcast about your Seattle Mariners on the internet right now. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, welcome. What a week. What a fucking week of baseball we just had. Your Seattle Mariners are playing some inspired, inspired fucking baseball right now. And it is beautiful. This last week might have been some of the most fun I've ever had watching the Mariners. Like, good lord. What a week. What a fucking week. Now, I will get into this past week after I read this very special article I found. Don't ask me how I found this. But uh, this might be a new segment. Weekly fun old article uh, that I found from Bleacher Report in 2009. Bleacher Report in 2009, around that time, was wild. Wilden. Like, I'll read this to you, but they, man, there are some takes and some lists from that era of Bleacher Report that are, it's not even like something you can defend looking back. It's just like, what, what, come on. All right. The title of this article written by Sam Woods on July 21st, 2009 is Dustin Ackley may end up at second base after all. And it reads, the only thing that could potentially keep the Seattle Mariners from drafting Dustin Ackley pre-draft was inability slash ability to play center field. Most thought his second position would be second base if for whatever reason he couldn't play the outfield. And it goes into how his arms looking uh, healthy enough to play center field. Um, and now that he's with the team, should he? Uh, quote, currently manning the position is death-defying things himself. Franklin Gutierrez is 26 years old and on the verge of becoming a perennial five-tool player at the premium position of center field. That is really interesting to read and upsetting. Because Franklin Gutierrez was awesome. He just couldn't stay on the field. I I remember being a kid and, and thoroughly enjoying watching Goody out there doing his thing. And he just couldn't stay healthy. And that made me a little sad. But then what also made me laugh in this article, first of all, is remembering Dustin Ackley. You just kind of have to laugh it off at this point. Laugh through the pain. Uh, They go on to say in this article, quote, Ackley is blocked in left field by Michael Saunders. Saunders is currently in AAA with a line of 312, 381, 541. More importantly, there are multiple reports of the ball, quote, jumping off his bat end quote, and making him, and making really solid contact almost every time. That kind of thing translates well to big league success. Ackley probably can't play right because he really doesn't have the arm. Even before surgery, he didn't have a great arm. His projected power numbers are also below average for right field. And then he goes on to say why he's destined for second base. I have no, he says, I have no idea what his defense is at this position, but it can't be much worse than Jose Lopez, who isn't terrible. Listen, don't disrespect Jose Lopez, all right? Let's not disrespect one of the three Jose's the Mariners had from, like, 2006 to 2010. Ackley would be hitting 330 with 15 to 20 home runs in a couple of years or less, which is all-star caliber numbers for second base. By the time Lopez's contract is up, Ackley should be in the bigs. If he's early, Lopez can be traded for a need. Ackley can bat in the two-hole till Ichio retires. When that happens, Ackley will move to leadoff. With this farm system fielding a plethora of quality outfielders and Ackley blocked in center, why not move him to the middle infield where it doesn't appear we'll have much talent in the future? Oh, boy. Well, I hope I made all of you Mariners fans listen to this sad Happy, display a lot of emotions from the words that were written in that article. Michael Saunders, um, I think this dude thought Michael Saunders was going to be an all-star. Clearly not. Obviously, we all had hopes for Dustin Ackley, but this guy, it spelled it out. It's just tough to read because we know what happened. At least we got Seager, so that's good. Someone likened uh, on Twitter the other day, I think someone was comparing the Ackley-Seager shit to... To like Cal Raleigh and and Jared Kelnick or something, which not a terrible take honestly. Uh, you know we didn't get Ackley, we got Seager for eight years and did shit all with him. But love Kyle Seager, Mariners legend. Well, that was a fun little article to read at the start of the show. I might do that um, to just bring back past Mariners pain and hilarity because saying Dustin Ackley is blocked by Michael Saunders because he's hitting well in AAA and it's going to be 
a perennial left fielder for us is hilarious, which he ended up being a little bit, which speaks more to the quality of the team rather than the quality of Michael Saunders himself. Now, let's get into this absolutely beautiful week of baseball. As it stands right now, the Seattle Manager tied for first in the wildcard race with Baltimore four and a half games back of Toronto, who is just a half game back of us and the Tampa Bay Rays. So there's a little bit of daylight separating between the top three and like Baltimore, Minnesota, White Sox. But still, full month of baseball left, can't let up. Four and a half games from the Orioles would be quite, quite a bit of ground to catch up in that amount of time. Uh, especially with the schedule they're playing. I don't know their exact schedule, but they're in a pretty good division. And I know they'll play Toronto and the Yankees and maybe the Rays. Red Sox are not good, but they're not terrible. They might play them more, and we don't. We still have the easiest schedule. So it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, with Toronto and Tampa Bay as well to see if they slide. Because the Orioles could theoretically pick up three games or four games against the Blue Jays and sweep them and get a half game in. Uh, you never know. You never know what's going to happen. Point is, the Seattle Mariners um, currently have, as I'm looking at it, a 99% uh, chance of making the playoffs. Uh, I'm not trusting that. Within an inch of my life, I will see it to believe it. Uh, they've never been to the playoffs in my lifetime. Well, in 2001 they did, but I was... Uh, not sentient yet so we'll see we'll see but as of right now we're staying atop the wild card race largely due to the excellent 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 exquisite week of baseball that we had uh the Mariners went 17 and 10 in August great record and they're uh as I speak one of 10 of the last 13 games 10 of the last 13 so that's not bad is that good I don't know someone tell me if that's good and that is why they're at the top of the wildcard race. Let's get into it. We start off August 30th at the Detroit Tigers. Now, this is coming after the news. Matt Boyd was reinstated from the injury list. And Taylor Trammell was called up as well. Um, that happened on September first, but I needed to get out of the way because that happened a while ago and I was going to forget about it. Now, the 30th at Detroit. Who started this game? If not for the curb man himself, George Kirby. Another good start. Five innings, two hits, one walk, five strikeouts. Just getting better, more confident, as I said last week. Dude is amazing to watch. Make sure to follow uh, us on Twitter at ChaosBall1977 on Twitter for some fun George Kirby edits that I make uh, based on the Super Smash Bros. character, Kirby. Uh, they're pretty good. They're pretty solid. Love those. And this uh, Kirby got the dub against Matt Manning, who just did not have a good game. I Manning is good. He's a good young pitcher. I thought this was going to be a better start for him. I thought we were going to struggle more against him. We did not. We put up seven on him in two and a third innings. He struck out one guy, but otherwise the offense was humming. Ty France began his campaign for being officially back last week uh, with a home run in the second inning. Big boy Cal with his 19th of the year in the third inning off Manning. And then Carlos Santana out of Dinger in the fifth inning. Um, Eugenio went two for four with an RBI. And then uh, Chris Flexen with a four-inning save. Gave up three runs, three strikeouts, but good to see Flex back, especially coming out of the bullpen in the long relief situation. This was just a great game of baseball. Funny that the long ball was played such a big part in this series, given that they're in uh, Detroit, which is historically a very, very hitter-friendly park. But not much to say about this game. We rolled 9-3. Excellent. Kind of a boring manners game. I mean, it was fun, but like it's weird to see the team just completely roll over a bad team and not keep it interesting. Um, and that was real refreshing. Move on to the next game, August 31st at Detroit. Uh, Marco Gonzalez kind of did it again, did the same thing, uh, where he, 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 he a tough first inning. Um, 
first couple innings, he gave up two in the second inning. At first, he had a couple guys on, he got out of it. But he ended up with six innings, seven hits, three runs, one walk, one strikeout, which, which if I'm not mistaken, is another quality start in which I think... Listen, I'm not. I don't fact check this, but I think he leads the team in quality starts, uh, which is a very polarizing topic on Twitter, which is super interesting to me. Um, there's a lot of Marco hate, which I I do understand the Marco hate. He's obviously our fifth best starter at this point, uh, sixth best sometimes when Flexen's pitching well, but he he just shows that despite. Uh, having the best stuff, he mixes his pitches well. He gets soft contact. He holds runners pretty well. When runners are on, uh, he works well in counts to to have disadvantage to the hitter, so they put it where he wants on the field. Sometimes he's been giving up more home runs, but he looks shaky, and then he puts in another quality start. And so I can't really fault him. And uh, he went to Gonzaga, go Bulldogs. But uh, it's just a polarizing. T- People on Twitter hate this guy. Mariners Twitter especially, there's so much hate for him. It's like, I'm not going to add anyone. It's just, they're complaining so much about this start. And it's like, he ended up going six innings with only three runs, and we won five to three. Like, what else do you want out of, at this point, your number five guy? We can't start, we can't judge him as the ace of the team anymore. Like, this is an excellent start from your number five guy right now. I don't know what else people want from him. He doesn't strike out a lot of people, and I think it's just not, like he says, it's not sexy. But uh, it's fun to watch when he's pitching well just because he knows mostly where the ball's going, and his pitches are pretty interesting, and he uses four or five of them fairly well. So that's my Marco Gonzalez update. Enough of the hate on him because he'll just turn around and throw another quality start with two strikeouts in your face, and we'll win despite spite you for saying, anything bad about him. Uh, he got the dub over Ty Alexander, who spun the ball pretty well. Four and a two-thirds, two runs, four hits, one walk, four strikeouts. Um, looked fine. Had the best start of any Tiger starter in this series, which I thought he'd have the worst start out of any starter in this series, kind of backwards. Um, but that was a little bit of a boring pitcher's duel, but Eugenio teed off in the first inning, two-run bomb. Uh, Eugenio continues to to fucking rake in that four spot that he's in. And it's just fun to watch him hit dingers. It's a great swing when he gets a hold of one. It's just tremendous. Um, not a tremendous amount of offense in this game. Uh, the Tigers just strung some hits together. Got RBIs. I mean, like Ty France had another hit. And a walk, strikeout, and RBI. Toro with a dinger in the seventh as well. Abraham Toro's been still very much himself, but a couple here and there, he hits a dinger, and it's pretty fun because Abraham Toro just is a fun little guy, and it looks like he celebrates adequately in the dugout with the boys. Uh, the pitching lights out after Marco. After Marco's quality start, Munoz comes in, two Ks in an inning. One hit, no runs. Eric Swanson, zeros and two strikeouts for an inning. Seawall comes in, walks two, strikes out two, gets the save. A little bit of a nervy save here from Paul. The past few weeks have been less encouraging from him. He's still been quite good. It's just he was so, so, so lights out for like since the All-Star break, basically till the last week of August. He was so good that now he's, he's just being less perfect and it's a little worrisome, but he still looks great out there. And also let's a uh, Paul Seawald, let's say he just explodes. He just starts, man, he starts looking like Archimedes Camonero out there. He just can't find the zone. Just hitting people, walking people. We have like Munoz can slide in the safe spot. Eric Swanson could slide in the safe spot. Diego Castillo, like there's dudes. There's dudes available out there. Uh, another dub. 2-0 on the series as we go into the third game and final of the series against Eduardo Rodriguez with Logan Gilbert on the bump. Logan Gilbert, excellent start. Excellent. Six innings, two hits, one walk, nine Ks. Beautiful start from Logan. Good, good God. I missed this Logan Gilbert. 
he's just looked so tired, so gassed past couple months. His his ERA finally caught up to his FIP, which is still in the mid threes. It's not bad. It's quite quite good. Um, and he just he wasn't striking as many guys out. He dudes figured out how to just sit on his fastball and mash that, which wasn't super difficult for big league hitters. Uh, but this game, he had the curveball going. His slider looked great. He was locating that fastball, mixing his pitches really well. Um, change up a little bit. That change up, huge X factor for him. But just the off-speed stuff. This is what he can do with off-speed stuff. Shut out six innings with nine Ks and one walk. Like and if, if, if his curveball and slider are working, or even if one of those is working really well and the other one's fine, that is all he really needs because obviously his fastball is where it shines. But when he's not grooving that off-speed stuff, dudes can just sit high fastball and like a 97-mile-an-hour high fastball is cake to some to big league hitters these days. Dudes are throwing 103 now. Like guys know know how to hit that. But his curveball is beautiful in this start, and he just mowed down this Tigers lineup. I should say the Tigers lineup is pretty pretty awful, um, but still looked fantastic. Matt Brash came in, looked great again out of the bullpen. Two Ks, one inning, no runs. Matty Boyd, the Northwest native uh, from Mercer Island. Almost where I'm from, but he went to Eastside Catholic. Uh, and then I think Oregon State, the hometown kid. We got him at the deadline. He's finally healthy. Came in. Looked pretty good. Uh, and then Penn Murphy closed the game out and looked solid. Gave up two hits, but just closed the game out. Did what he needed to do. Uh, it was fun seeing Matty Boyd uh, greet the guys in the dugout when he came out of the bullpen. It looked awesome. He was pitching. Obviously, he lived in Detroit for a while until he got traded to the Mariners. And then... He just now got activated for his hometown club as a kid, and he just looks so happy to be in a Mariners uniform. And it makes me happy. It makes everyone happy to see a dude so happy to play in a Mariners uniform. It's just awesome. And he's a good pitcher. Like he's super. He's going to be super valuable in the playoffs. Another lefty out of the pen who's also was a starter in the past. So. We have a lefty and a righty in the pen and Flexen and Matty Boyd that can go long. They can they can give you three, four innings out of the pen if they really need to. Five. So like they can start a game. Uh, it's super valuable to have, especially because the past few years, uh, obviously he got hurt, which was tough, but the past few years, Matty Boyd was just slowly getting better. And so it's fun to see him pitch for the team. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, another guy who's a solid starting pitcher. I thought he'd be better. We we ran him out of the game. Four innings, six hits, five earned, two walks, five Ks. Julio, donger, third inning. France, another dinger. Same inning, they went back-to-back. That one-two punch at the top of the lineup, back-to-back dingers, is exactly what you want to see. Uh, Ty France officially cemented that he's being, he's back in this game with... Uh, with another dinger, and just he actually looked settled at the plate. Um, uh, this Tiger series is exactly what he needed. He just looked, again, like a good big league hitter, uh, which is all we needed from him at this point. Um, Hanniger had a couple of hits. Eugenio had a couple of hits and RBIs. Um, just another all-around good game. Kirk Casale with a gapper double to score two out of nowhere. Uh, that was fun. Kirk Casale. That's all I have to say. He's just trying to hit like Big Dumper. But no one can be Big Dumper. Except Big Dumper. And so we took the dub 7-0 against the Tigers to cap off a series sweep in Detroit. And boy was it fun. It was just stress-free baseball. I mean the ninth inning of game two was a little stressful. But I figure Paul had it. it what... What a great series. You need to sweep teams like this, but on the road in Detroit, uh, with like they had good pitchers out there. We just looked great hitting. Like Not much more to say about the series, but just good pitching, good hitting all the way around. And uh, we go to Cleveland on a high note. Try to play this annoying-ass Guardians team again. And on September 2nd, we trotted in there. With uh, Luis Castillo on the bump. And he looked great. 
not as his strikeout stuff wasn't exactly there. He had four Ks and six innings, but no runs with one walk and five hits. Um, just limited hard contact most of the game, which if he's not striking him out, it's still uh, really hard to make solid contact or barrel up his crazy moving pitches. Um, Julio got things started in the first inning with Ty France and Hanniger. Um, that one, two, three has just proven past couple weeks. That is the one, two, three of the lineup. And I am here for it. That is a tough one, two, three to get through. And then Eugenio at the four who has the power to sock a dinger four seventy. Uh, and then, uh, obviously I'm still a little mad about this, but dumper still hitting below uh, the four spot. They finally put him in the five spot the last day or two. Still batting behind Carlos Santana. I just just put just the lineup needs to be Julio, France, Hanniger, Eugenio, Dumper, and then I guess I don't I don't know Winker for what after that throw the kitchen sink at it. But those are our five best hitters right now. Um, Cal, as I mentioned, the big Dumper, two home runs in this game has been on a fucking tear. Him and that fat ass of his. And uh, also someone pointed out on Twitter, uh, his on the lineup card in the Mariners' dugout, it was Dumper as his name, which means he knows about the nickname Big Dumper, which makes me really happy. Um, I just need right now for someone in the press to ask him about it. I need Ryan Divish to walk into the clubhouse or Larry Stone to walk into the clubhouse and ask Cal Rowley, hey, do you know about this big dumper nickname? Like, I'm pretty sure uh, there's a player in the NBA named Jonathan Kuminga. I'm not going to say his nickname. If you know his nickname, you know it for sure. Uh, a reporter asked him about it, and it was one of the funniest clips I've ever seen. I need someone to ask Cal about big dumper, because he has been dumping all over the field these past these past couple weeks. Um, what else happened in this game? Diego Castillo came in, gave up a run. Matt Festa, oh yeah, Matt Festa, yeah, Matt Festa came in, uh, two innings, close the game out, huh? Love Matt Festa. Love the uh, Italian emoji that I get to tweet every time he comes in. Um, this was a fun win against a good Guardians team again, 6-1. Pretty stress-free. Pretty stress-free. I'm not, uh, when Luis Castillo's on the bump, it's just a fun game. I get to relax. I get to watch some fun baseball. Get to see some interesting stuff happen. Um, and it's overall just a fun time. Because uh, we're, we're going up against Cody Morris, who was making his debut, I believe. Uh, 15th ranked prospect for the Guardians, if I am not wrong. Um, and he looked fine. I mean, he gave up two runs and two innings, three Ks, like, I don't know what they're expecting of him, but their pitchers didn't look amazing this game, our hitters were just kind of doing their thing, putting in good at-bats, working the count, working the pitch counts up, and uh, overall, fun game, uh, one more thing to add, Jesse Winker walked, I forgot which inning, but he bat-flipped his walk, which I'm all for, because at this point, it doesn't seem like he likes to hit the ball hard or play left field well. He's just there to provide good vibes. He seems like a fun dude. And uh, get on base with walks. He's like leads the league in walk rate. So bat flip your walks, Jesse. They're as good as a home run for you right now. Fucking bat flip them. More power to you. Moving on to game two against the Guardians on September 3rd with Robbie Tight Pants Ray on the bump. Game started with a bang, Ty France. This is this is for me when I knew he was back. When he's doing first inning dingers, he's back. He's back. Uh, so that got the got the game off starting very well, very well. I love a good Ty France dinger to start a game, especially with Robbie Ray on the bump, who's been looking good. Quality start from Robbie Ray. Six innings, six hits, zero runs, three strikeouts. Pretty Marco gonzalez line from Robbie Ray today, but quality start put us and him in the line for the win, which we did get. Uh, Mitch Hanniger walked in a run. 
later this game, uh, Cal Raleigh picked up another knock, another RBI, and then JP also walked in a run later in this game. Uh, just a kind of a scrappy performance, no super outstanding performance besides like Robbie Ray didn't give up any runs, but in the offense, uh, almost everyone got a hit, but no one got more than one hit. Uh, quite a few strikeouts, quite a few left on base, but still the pitching was so good. Uh, we shut out the guardians, uh, cause Matt Brash came in. Didn't give up any runs. Had a couple of base runners, but got out of it. Andres Munoz came in, lights out again. Paul Seawald did come in, live up, give up some uh, base runners again, but held the game. And we got the dub again to put us in line for the series win. Uh, going into the final day for the sweep, which this game was a doozy. The box score of this game is a shit show because... This game took eight or nine hours to, to complete. The rain delay, I think, if I remember correctly, it started in, like, the, the fourth inning, third inning. It wasn't after the fifth, so they couldn't call it and just give us the win. Um, and they waited for hours and hours to play this game. They kept taking the tarp off. They kept putting it back on. And this is all because, obviously, the rain is a big reason this is at fault. But they had an Elton John concert there, like, last week or some shit, and they resodded the grass, and uh, I think Shannon Dreyer tweeted out a photo of this on Twitter. The standing water in the outfield was absurd. <laughs> Just don't hold concerts mid-season. What are you doing? Like... If you can hold a concert there and not have to resod or redo the field, sure. But I feel like that's impossible. I think this speaks to the greed of the Guardians. I'm sure other people and other teams do this. Um, but <laughs> that is why this was delayed so much. I mean, the rain was tough, but like that's that's on the Guardians for their outfield having to get resodded. Uh, and the drainage was all fucked up from the Elton John concert. So, we got a couple runs before the rain delay. Uh, Ty France, officially back Ty France, I should say, knocked in Julio in the first inning, which seems like a good thing going. And then the third, Julio hit a bomb to left field for his 23rd of the season. And then in the, the fourth, JP um, did the thing. Oh, this is when we came back. This is when we came back. So the third was the delay. Then we came back with a runners on first and second. Or, uh, yeah, first and second. And then um, JP eventually grounded a new double play for an RBI. Uh, we squandered a lot of men on base in that inning. Um, the classic most uh, efficient way to get a run is actually grounding a new double play. A lot of people don't know that. Um this game just kind of trudged on. Obviously, these dudes were out of rhythm. Um, the Guardians got... And then the Guardians got a couple runs back in the 7th and 8th to tie the game, and then we went to extra innings. Because what we needed from this game was for it to last longer, actually. Um, the rain delay wasn't long enough. And so the boys were like, yeah, why don't we just play four or five hours, four hours, five hours of baseball with like a three, four hour break in between. Like that sounds pretty fun. Um, so the game went uh, into the 10th, no runs. And then the 11th, which was a fun 11th inning. JP made up for some lack of hitting earlier in this game. Single on a ground ball, the center scored Eugenio to put us up for three and then pinch hitting big dumper. What does he do? Socks another dinger. Cow. Good Lord, man. What a week of baseball for Cal. Fucking hell. What what a man he is. Just so enjoyable to watch. I, I, at the end of the season, I'll go into his, his defense a little bit more but and his pitching stuff that he's working with these pitchers so well, but his hitting has been a joy. And that cemented the victory for us with Flexen. Chris Flexen coming in for the save. We used a whole lot of pitchers in this game. Kirby, unfortunately, started this game and looked fine. Three innings, three hits, one run, two strikeouts. His slider was looking good. His fastball was looking good. He was looking like George Kirby and another great start and then rain delay. So that obviously ruined it. 
Andres Munoz came into this game after that. Uh, and then Penn, and that was an interesting move, which told me that Service wanted to get to the fifth inning with the lead in hopes that maybe it would start raining again and they'd delay the game again and then they'd have to cancel it. And in that case, after the game was canceled, after the fifth inning, uh, the Mariners would, would win. Whoever's winning after the fifth inning, if the game has to get canceled, they just win. Uh, so that made a lot of sense in my mind to bring Munoz in there just to secure um, a potential short victory to get us to the fifth. Penn Murphy came in, got us to the fifth, but then it ended up going to the 11th inning. Jokes on you, Scott Service. Uh, Mother Nature has said, no, I'm just going to let you guys play this game out, and it's going to take super long, and you're going to have to fly to Seattle for a day game the next day. Um, but we used, how many pitchers did we use? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Kirby, Munoz, Penn Murphy came in, Matt Brash came in, Theo Castillo came in, gave up a run, Eric Swanson came in, gave up a run, Paul Seawald came in, blew a save, uh, and then Matt Festa came in, was great, Matty Boyd came in, walked three, uh, didn't give up any runs, and then Chris Flexen came in to save the game. And that is that game. That was an interesting day of baseball. I didn't watch every second of this game because I was confused when it was coming back, when it wasn't coming back. I have a life. I have stuff to do. Um, but uh, the point is, we got the win to complete the sweep and give us two series sweeps on the week going 6-0. and And what a damn week of baseball. Oh, I forgot to mention Julio went 4-for-6 in this game with an RBI and a strikeout and a home run. Um, dude is uh, really, really, really good at baseball, and it's awesome to watch. But that was the week of Mariners baseball. What a week. What a week. I said it earlier. Some of the most fun I've had watching baseball in my entire life has been this year, but specifically the past few weeks since the All-Star break. But this week was amazing. I mean, it swept the Tigers, which, yes, sweep the Tigers. Do it. Tigers are awful. They're there to be swept. Sweep them. Swept them. Great offense in that. Fun to watch. Dingers. Good at bats. Situational hitting. And then the Guardian series. Um, the potential for a playoff matchup between them, like we, we got into last week when we played them at home. Uh, but sweeping them felt great because they're just an infuriating team to play against, especially Karinchak. I fucking hate that guy. Um, it just felt good to do it in their ballpark, too. Makes me feel good about a potential playoff matchup against them. They're still going to be tough if we do, but if we do end up playing them in the playoffs. But that was another gutsy series win against them. Um, and we handled it and won by more runs than we did when they were at home, when we were at home against them uh, two weeks ago. So just a great, great two series this week. Uh, the boys got the job done. Big reason why we are tied for first in the All-Star break. Um, the only thing that's kind of tough about this week, um, the reason Toro's playing, I'm never really in support of Abraham Toro playing at the big league level. Um, anyone whose OPS is consistently 550, I'm just not really a huge fan of. The person I really like, Abraham Toro. Um, the reason he's up, Dylan Moore apparently uh, felt uh, something in his oblique. This was uh, on the 30th. Ryan Divish tweeted this news out here. They're considered between grade one and grade two oblique strain. Yeah, just in at bat, which sucks for Dylan Moore because oblique it's definitely worse in pitchers, uh, but oblique is tough for baseball, man. You need that to swing, <laughs> obviously. Um, and uh, we want Dylan Moore healthy for the playoffs. So we have Dylan Moore and Sam Haggerty on the bench instead of Sam Haggerty and Abraham Toro. Um, so that was, that was the health update on this week. Um, not a whole lot else health update wise. JP apparently got acupuncture last week for something. I don't, I have no idea. Um, now to the minor league update, the Tacoma Rainiers, what's been happening? Kyle Lewis. Uh, I don't know the past two days, but on the fourth, I got the news. He's on a seven game hitting streak. And in those seven games, he was batting 423, 500, 769. Good for a 1269 OPS. Uh, 11 hits, 3 home runs, 8 runs, 9 RBIs, 4 walks, and 7 Ks for the Rainiers. It looks like he might be finding his way back 
to the big league roster this month if he keeps hitting like this for the Rainiers because putting up on almost 1,300 OPS in a week of baseball in AAA might translate to maybe 700, 800 OPS ball up in the majors. Maybe. It looks like he just needs some confidence back to get fully healthy, fit, uh, and get his swing back. His swing and approach at the plate looked terrible when he was up. So hopefully this kind of remedies that. And we see him back up because we're all rooting for this kid. We're all rooting for this kid. I want nothing but good things for Kyle Lewis in this life. And so him getting back to hitting is good. Good for the team. Good for him. Uh, and I know he just won, the, I think it was uh, Player of the Week for the, the league that the Rainiers are in this past week. So that's very good for him. Hopefully we see him back up soon. And he's hitting well. Uh, Evan White has been really good still. Uh, Evan White, since joining the Rainiers, and this is courtesy of Mariners Miners on Twitter. Make sure to give them a follow. Might be my favorite account on Twitter. Um, since rejoining the Rainiers on August 9th, he's had 17 games. He's slashing 271, 368, 712. Good for 1,080 OPS. Uh, he has seven home runs in that time with uh, eight walks and 11 Ks, which is fantastic. Uh, I think, honestly, I think Ty France probably saw this and was like, all right, fuck, fuck this. I'm back. <laughs> I'm just going to start hitting again. Because uh, <laughs> I don't see a spot for Evan White on this team unless injuries happen. I mean, Carlos Santana, I guess. Like, I get, like if he gets hurt or if they decide they don't want him anymore because he's objectively not a good baseball player, I guess they could call up Evan White and platoon him in front. Like, they could play France and they could put him in the DH spot, I guess, and Evan White back at first. Or give Evan White a DH spot and just try to not have Carlos Santana. Like, I don't know what they're going to do. It's just encouraging for him as a player uh, to at least be doing this. Maybe it's trade bait. I'm not going to say it, but trade bait. Are him and Kelnick going to be packaged for Shohei Otani in the future? I don't know. But maybe. I, I don't know. I'll call Jerry DePoto and ask him about it. Uh, what else? Uh, the Arkansas Travelers, some updates. Cade Barlow, he's been hitting super, super well recently. Uh, I think he's one for the future um, as a potential, not a rotation guy, but I don't know. I, I, I just think he, he clearly has the tools to be at least a bench player in the bigs at this point. I'm not a scout or anything, but he has been on the right track. He's been slowly moving up. Uh, the Miners been slowly getting better at hitting and everything in every system he's been in. I think we see him on the Rainiers at least a little bit next year. Uh, and then maybe, I don't know. I don't know what his timeline is, but he's just, he's an intriguing hitter. Uh, same with Zach DeLoke. Zach DeLoke had a tremendous month of August down there. Uh, 14 games. He slashed 298, 407, 596 with 1,000 OPS, uh, four home runs with 16 RBIs, and then 10 walks and 10 Ks in that time. That's, that's fantastic. Great month for Zach DeLoke. Another, in the Cade Marlowe discussion, uh, I think Zach DeLoke plays corner outfield. Um, if I remember correctly, he was a second-round pick in the Kirby draft, I want to say. Um, and another guy, I think, we has been rising the ranks and learning the the ways of each league a little bit better, and maybe we see him on the Rainiers a little bit next, next year, too, and potential depth guy or trade guy. I don't know. He's just been slowly hitting better. And if he can play decent defense in a corner outfield spot, sure. Absolutely. Zach DeLope has the pedigree of the second round pick. Um, Taylor Dollard. And uh, the last Travelers player I'll talk about his Texas league rankings this year. First in ERA, first in inning pitch, first in wins for tied for first in uh, game started. Uh, fifth in strikeouts, first in whip, and first in batting average against. In 25 games, he's 15-2 and two with a 1.95 ERA and 134 innings pitched, uh, 123 Ks in that time, with an opponent batting average of 195. That is fantastic. What a year Taylor Dollard is having. Another pitcher in the ranks that probably not many people know about. Um, very much not uh not like comparing him to to Levi Stout 
or Brandon Williamson or those type of guys. Just another dude who we've been slowly developing and is look who looks great. And another sign that our player development, specifically for the pitchers and the minors, is fantastic. Fantastic. What a month. Shout out to Taylor Dollard. Uh, moving down the ranks to the Everett Aquasocks, one of my favorite minor league team logos, the Everett Aquasocks, and a fun one to go to if you're in that Seattle area. I've been to a few games. Aquasocks, it's just awesome. It's a fun little stadium. Minor league baseball, some of the most fun you can have. Experience baseball, it's super cheap. Um, they have fun promotions. They wear stupid jerseys sometimes. Sometimes you see Felix Hernandez or guys like that rehabbing with them. That's fun. Uh, I saw the Aqua Sox play the Spokane Indians in Spokane when Julio was on the Aqua Sox. I saw him in a, in a minor league jersey before he came up. That was pretty fun. Uh, but this player on the Everett Aqua Sox, Axel Sanchez, fantastic month. Fantastic month. 24 games. He slashed 344, 422, 688. Good for over an 1,100 OPS. Seven bombs in that time. 29 RBIs, 12 walks, 28 Ks, four of five stolen bases. Uh, just a great month for Axel Sanchez. Shout out to Axel Sanchez. Jonathan Clotze swipes his 55th bag of the season. Um, man is a freaking f- athlete. He's a freak on the base path. Uh, just another shout out to him. And then down in Modesto, Harry Ford, his final August numbers. In 24 games, he slashed 274, 475, 36. That's good for an 1,000 OPS with five home runs, 27 runs, 15 RBIs, 24 walks, 25 Ks, and six of seven stolen bases. Dude's looking like a five-tool catcher. So six tools. He's like a five-tool player, but add catching and and boss in a game with the pitchers um one for the future looking forward to harry forward hope he stays in a Mariners jersey and is the catcher of the future for us he's, he's been playing great modesto i'm sure we see him with the travelers next year and then who knows sky's the limit with harry ford i know it takes long to develop catchers but He's just been raking, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens with him. Uh, and then my last little update on the minor leagues: Cole Young, our first round pick of this year, first home run, Modesto. Congrats to Cole Young. F- a fun swing, a real slappy swing. Uh, I don't know how much power he's supposed to be able to hit for, but socked his first dinger. And the the parking lot for the stadium was apparently literally twenty feet from the right field wall behind it, which seems like a terrible idea. Uh, but Cole Young, first home run in a Mariners uniform. Well, not uniform, Modesto Nuts uniform, but you get what I'm talking about. Shout out to Cole Young. That was the minor league update. Uh, a little preview of the rest of the week. We got a homestand against the White Sox, uh, and then the Braves come to town. Um, and then I am putting out a podcast probably next Monday before a short interleague Padres series, and then we get into the last couple weeks of the season. Hopefully, we have a magic number in those last couple weeks. Uh, but that is basically the preview of the rest of the week. The White Sox are, I think, seven games back or eight games back of the wild card spot right now. Um, they have some good pitching, good players, and Tony Russo is out with a medical problem right now. Uh, prayers up to Tony Russo. Obviously, we don't want him to befall any any harm, but he's just objectively, I hated that hire. I hate that they kept him and haven't fired him yet because that White Sox team could be doing so much more. I know they've been hurt a lot, but Tony Russo getting hired there um, was a Jerry Reinsdorf hire and just an awful decision. Um, and they don't have him at the moment, and I honestly think that might boost their stuff. Like they, It might make them play better. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, and now there's just some random news around the league. Um, Spencer Strider struck out 16 dudes a couple days ago. He's awesome. Great mustache. Quadzilla. He kind of reminds me of Dan Altafia, not in skill or anything, literally just his legs. They're huge. Um, amazing mustache as well. Um, just been shoving. I think he's probably going to win rookie of the year. And then, oh, he's fantastic. The Braves have just a plethora of young superstar talent and it's just been a tremendous to watch Spencer Strider this year uh no, speaking of, of young talent Bobby Witt Jr. hit a home run last week to put himself in the 2020 club as a rookie hallowed ground not uh, not a lot of people have done that our Julio did it faster than him 
Uh, I'm not going to compare them, but Bobby Witt, uh, him and Julio were kind of the one-two this year coming up. Obviously, Adley is up there too, but he didn't start the season up like Witt or Julio did. Um, it was kind of like, who's going to win Rookie of the Year between Bobby Witt and Julio? And it's been Julio's to lose. It's still Julio's to lose. I think he's at this point going to, he's secured it. Um, Bobby Witt had a pretty poor start to the season, but has picked up since then and has looked fantastic. I think the Royals got one there. He's a perennial 2020 guy, it looks like, and it's good for him. Good for him. Um, got two more things to talk about. Uh, the Yankees, they're bad. The Yankees are bad. <laughs> they. <laughs> this has been so fun to watch, honestly. Uh, Yankees fans were really getting ahead of themselves. And everyone, I talked about it last week. There, I had an Yankees update last week on how people were saying they were on pace to win 117 games, break the Mariners' record. It's like, uh, f- fuck you guys. No, they're not. Uh, a short little stat on June 18th. June 18th, they peaked at 49 and 16. Since then, they're 32 and 38, playing very below average ball. And it's just fun. I I had projected them to be fourth in that division this year. I did not believe in the Yankees one bit. I thought they'd literally be this team the whole year. I thought they would be a very middling, maybe a wild card team just because that division is so good. Um, and the Rays have caught up. And the Orioles are catching up. The Red Sox are bad. And the Blue Jays are also catching up. Everyone's catching up to them. And now it's... It's chaos in that division because they've just been playing so poor. Uh, and does it hurt Aaron Judge's MVP case? It shouldn't. It's the same MVP case as Shohei, but <laughs> the Yankees are bad. One more update. Shohei and Trout, um, they're back. They're hitting dingers together. The Angels are still losing games with them both in the lineup. Uh, Mike Trout's awesome to watch. We knew that. Shohei Otani is just sensational. Like, last night he hit two home runs again. I think for the fifth time this year in a game, he's hit two home runs. Uh, He leads the Angels on, like, all the major pitching and hitting categories, which is astounding. Like, I've had enough of people on Twitter saying, oh, stop posting Shohei highlights, stop talking about Shohei. No, respectfully, actually not respectfully, fuck you. No. This dude is a once-in-a-generational, once-in-a-lifetime talent. He's one of one. We've never seen this before. The stuff he's doing on both ends of the ball is generational, and it's amazing that we're getting to watch him play baseball. It truly is. Like, if you're not familiar with Baseball Savant, uh, they they kind of it's a it's a cool stat website. It's a great stat website. Uh, you can go there. You can look at a guy's uh, skill set set against the rest of the league in a percentile basis. And if you look at his hitting and his pitching, it's crazy. He's like a top, he's a top five player on both sides of the ball. (laughs) I don't know how you can't vote him for MVP. I understand judge. And I think I'm going to have a show later this year after we all wrap up just to, to pick awards, to go through the awards and say, here's why I am right. And uh, everyone else is wrong as all the award shows and, podcast previewing usually go how do you not vote for him as mvp at this point i people will say what is the v part what is the value part of the mvp award like does the team have to be good obviously we proved last year and with mike trout winning the mvp the team doesn't have to be amazing for a guy to boss the league and win mvp as being the best player in the league that year and shohei i think has He's literally the best player in the league because no one can do this on both sides of the ball. Barely anyone can keep up with him as a pitcher or as a hitter alone. Like there's a select few who you could say are elite in in either one, and he's elite in both. And I think with the Aaron Judge thing, I was in the Aaron Judge MVP camp last month, but then like seeing the discourse the past month when the Yankees have been awful. Aaron Judge has still been fantastic. Aaron Judge hasn't really slowed down that much. Uh, The whole team just has. And uh, that just proves that baseball is really hard to win. Especially, like, if your team is bad. It's hard. It's not like the NBA. You can't just have LeBron James carry a 2008 
mid-Cavs team to the finals. You can't have that in baseball at all, really. It's too reliant on everyone around you. And to say that like like Shohei is less valuable to the Angels as Judge is less valuable to the Yankees, is this is proving it. Look, the Yankees have been awful and playing terrible baseball the past month, and Aaron Judge has been great. And look, they're still losing. Like It doesn't matter. Shohei is the same. Imagine how bad the Angels would be without Shohei. It's like, take him off this team. It's like, yeah, Judge, like the, the Yankees are going to make the playoffs. And Judge is definitely a big part of that. And uh, take him off that team. Do they miss the playoffs? I don't know. Probably not. Still a pretty good team. Take, and it's like the, the Angels are going to miss the playoffs with Shohei Otani. They're officially out of playoff contention as of like literally yesterday. And... It's like, well, they're closer to the playoffs than they could have been without Shohei. And he literally leads all of the team's categories. All of them. All of them. All of the categories. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how you can sit there and say Judge is more valuable to the Yankees than Shohei is valuable to the Angels. If anything, Shohei is more valuable to the Angels because they're so bad, they would be so much worse without him. And the, the, the Yankees would be worse without Judge, but how much worse? I don't know. The whole value thing is crazy in MVP talk. Um, I just wanted to say that Shohei is amazing, and I hope he gets off the Angels. I hope he comes to the Pacific Northwest, and we start a dynasty with him and Julio Rodriguez and George Kirby and Logan Gilbert and Luis Castillo. I just hope he comes to the Northwest and we treat him like – an athlete should be treated on the field, off the field. I just He's amazing to watch. We're basking in glory. Don't take this for granted watching him and Trout in the same lineup. Two Hall of Fame players in the same lineup. I don't care how good the team is. I don't care how easy it is to make fun of them and how fun it is to make fun of them. Watching them is awesome and a treat, especially Shohei. Um, he pulled out a sinker last start. What the fuck was that? It was like a 100-mile-an-hour sinker. He was like, oh, okay, I want to throw that. I'm just going to throw that now. Like, like, what the hell, dude? Oh, okay, well, that's that's about it. That was my Shohei Otani rant. Appreciate him. Don't tear him down. Don't do this thing about LeBron. It's like, is he the greatest of all time? Just appreciate. Just appreciate it, especially Shohei. Just appreciate it. And um, do as much as you can, if you see him in real life, to convince him to go to Seattle. It's amazing up there. Um, go there, Shohei. There's a track record for Japanese players having success, some success in Seattle. You know, we've had a couple good ones. Uh, so please, 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 Shohei, get off the Angels. Um, and with that, I will be signing off. Thank you all for listening. Make sure to subscribe, follow, uh, tell your friends about the pod, rate and review. Follow me on Twitter at chaosballpod1977. Um, please, please, please word of mouth, spread this podcast about the Seattle Mariners. Uh, thank you so much for listening and have a great rest of your day and go Mariners.